days in the OAA. Boss low, most fools couldn't price me. Silly stunt with a blunt full of PE. And I guess you know me. Welcome to the so long I trust a family. This brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius. It is a Thursday edition of the show, our last episode of the business week before we have the Peter Tailgate game day show and everything else in between on Sunday for Bucks versus Bengals. But we'll get into that. A lot later today, we are going to talk about whether or not the Bucks defense can slow down Joe Burrow and the red hot Cincinnati Bengals who have won five straight in a row. And we're going to get into a lot of the details that went on today from the Buccaneers facility, most notably some comments by Byron Leftwich, the offensive coordinator and quarterback Tom Brady about the report from Mike Silver about Brady switching up the game plan uh, last minute and not really telling the coaches until the game gets going. But anyway, I'm your host, Matt Matera. Joined with me is our intern from pewterreport.com. He is doing a fantastic job for us. You may have seen him on the uh, Pewter Tailgate show before and the Pewter Game Day show. He's making his Pewter Report podcast debut. It is Adam Slavon. Adam, thank you so much for joining me today. We might get JC Allen a little bit, not totally sure, but nonetheless, how you doing, my man? I'm doing well. I'm happy to be here. Happy on happy to be on the podcast. Yeah, it's uh it's, it's great, great to show. have you. Yeah, this is uh it's gonna be the best episode yet, as as Scott likes to say. Of course, um, you are making your debut, which is which is very nice. Let's hope you have a Brock Purdy type of debut because <laughs> Brock looked pretty damn good in his first career start, so you have a a lot to live up to. I'm just playing. Um, we're just we're just gonna have fun with it, like we always do on this Thursday. A- Alien Macedon says, "What's happening? How you doing?" Appreciate everyone watching and listening to this show. But um, you know, going into this game, Bucks versus Bengals, these teams could not be on two different ends of the spectrum w- without question. As Gary says, uh, "Welcome, Adam." The Bucs are coming off a debilitating, terrible loss to the San Francisco 49ers. I don't think there's really any other way to really describe it. Meanwhile, the Bengals, not only have they won five in a row, but like they beat the Chiefs in, in during that during that big run. Um, they're tied for first place in the division. The Bucs are in first place in their division, but there's a big, big difference between what Tampa Bay is doing and what Cincinnati is doing. The Bengals, even if they don't win the division, they're obviously in a tight race with the Ravens. They're going to the playoffs because of the wild card. The Bucs have to win the division or else they're going home. And so you have the Bucs that are struggling heavily. You have the Bengals who are on fire, especially offensively with Joe Burrow and, uh, you know, and, and Jamar Chase. So, um, is this game even going to be close? Like, can the Bucs actually stay competitive in this one, especially going up against Joe Burrow? That's definitely the hope. And as you mentioned, will the Bucks defense be able to stop Burrow? Well, that definitely starts with getting a lot of the key guys back. So it doesn't look like uh, Jamel Dean wasn't practicing today. That's going to be huge. Vita Vey wasn't there. Carl Nassib, he wasn't uh, dressed today. If right. they don't have those guys... You might get a couple guys in the secondary back. You would hope Edwards or Antoine Winfield return, but they really need guys to step up because, like you said, this is a Bengals team that's won five in a row. They've won seven of eight. They're not just red hot. They're white hot Yeah, in a nod to their uniforms. Very and- nice. Very nice. I was going <laughs> to say, like, their helmets that they have uh, that they have going on. So definitely a good, uh, good observation there. Now joining us on the show is our colleague at pewterreport.com jc allen jc how we doing good sorry i'm late i had a little bit of a boo-boo like slice my finger open you know, oh, no. you know slicing holes in my finger unlike the bucks offense slicing holes in defense <laughs> um, but yeah nice touch to the little white tiger there for for r.i.p jason david frank the only white tiger that i'll acknowledge this week um but man this is going to be a fun interesting game because i think the bucks it, while the Bengals are on a tear, they're on this five-game winning streak, and they're starting to look like the team that was in the Super Bowl last year, I still haven't lost confidence for whatever reason, Maddie, in this Bucks team. I still think it's just a matter of one week to turn it around because they have all the talent there. And I look at the defense 
um, for for the Bengals, and they they've been impressive, but they haven't been anything that's just kind of stand out like uh, they can. They're going to be able to do anything to really limit the Bucks if they can get going, especially you know without one of their best pass rushes and Trey Hendrickson. I don't know. Call me crazy. Oh, Call you're still crazy. confident in the Bucks? I know you said you cut your finger. Did you did you hit your head too? I don't know, man. I still think this team can just. If they can find a way to 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 come together, they have the talent. They have the talent to make a Super Bowl. Like that's the craziest thing. And you know, it's going to really depend on injury situation. Who's back on defense? Um, who's on offense? Are the wide receivers T. Higgins and Tyler Board? They're limited in practice this week. Are they going to be cleared to play? Uh, you know, those things all kind of add up to what could potentially be. I think the the Bucks. They, they know what they need to do. They own their own destiny. It's four games. You got to win all these four games. And December football, it's still Brady. I know he dropped one last week against the best defense in the league, but I don't know. I still have confidence in this team for whatever reason, Matt. Call me crazy. Call me nuts. Call me naive, but I don't know. It must be like the holiday spirit or something like that. Like as of late, not just like, sure, they beat the Saints on Monday night football, but that was like a desperation comeback. You know, they didn't play well in that game. And then obviously, we saw that on Sunday as well. Adam, are you seeing it the same way? Or are you looking at, uh, Dan, this is a laundry list of struggles for this team right now. I mean, I have a little bit of hope, not maybe to JC's extent, because they're going from Brock Purdy to Joe Burrow. You know what you have in Joe <laughs> Burrow. You have an elite yeah. quarterback, an elite offense. But where I do see the Bucks maybe having more of an advantage than people think is on their offensive side of the football. I mean, for the Bengals, you have Trey Hendrickson. He's injured with his wrist. You have Shadobi Awuzie, Mike Hilton, two of their top cornerbacks out. Maybe this is a game we see Brady to Evans finally like start to merge because it's evident they haven't been on the same page. I'm proud of you guys for uh, really showing some optimism because I'm not. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> call me the uh, call me the Grinch or whatever you want to say, but I just I can't trust what Tampa Bay has done the last couple of weeks to be like, oh yeah, this is the week against the Bengals who are like the hottest team in the league are all of a sudden going to be uh, the ones that the, that the Bucks will, you know, vanquish and, and turn their season around. I would love to be wrong. So we'll obviously get into a lot more details. We of course got to talk about what happened today at the Bucks facility oh. with uh, Tom Brady, Tom Brady and uh, Byron Leftwich. We got the clips that we'll play um, in a little bit before, before that got to remind everyone, that the presenting sponsor of the Pewter Report podcast, of course, is Celsius Energy Drinks. We love them for a variety of different reasons, starting with the different flavors that they have. You see the Ar Arctic Peach and Tropical Vibes up on the screen right there. You can go with a cola flavor, a cucumber lime, a peach mango, sparkling watermelon, just a ton of different flavors uh, across the board. Seven essential vitamins is the key, and there's no sugar or preservatives in these drinks so it's the healthy version of an energy drink um you don't have to worry about taking a sip and then later on you're crashing you're getting ready to to go to sleep that's not the case with celsius energy drinks if you haven't had one before that's totally fine you want to find out where you can go get it um go to the store locator on the celsius website uh, punch in your location and find out where you can get a celsius near you whether it's your local target your convenience store, your bodega, uh, whatever is closest to you. I can literally go across the street and get myself a Celsius if I wanted to right now. But I'm not because I'm here hosting the show, which I'm very happy to do alongside my co-host Adam and JC for this episode. And then once you realize you love Celsius, which I know you will, head on over to Amazon, do the subscribe and save, and um, get them in bulk. I'd recommend getting the variety pack because variety is the spice of life. Right. And you can have it sent to your house every one, two, or three weeks whenever you want it. Just make sure you're drinking Celsius energy drinks. The official sponsor of the Peter Report podcast could be a good substitute for coffee. You know, Scott Reynolds and the most handsome quarterback on the Bucks roster, Blaine Gabbard, has also substituted Celsius uh, coffee for Celsius. So definitely try it out if you haven't yet. Celsius hashtag live fit, hashtag Celsius energy. The official sponsor of the Peter Report podcast, JC. I saw that you went to go and uh, grab a a Celsius. What do you got there? I did. Let's hear the crack. Ah, always, a, always <laughs> a good, always a good uh, sound. We got a tropical vibe. It's better with a beer, but Celsius. Hey, especially I've got a long night ahead of me. Celsius is going to power me through. 
the cracking open of uh, a drink or a beer, that's got to be like a top five sound of all time. Like the crack of the bat, you know, at a baseball yeah, yeah. game is up there. The pop when a player hits another player in football. Cracking open a drink is, is definitely, um, you know, in the definitely in the top five, in as my opinion. As the kids would say nowadays, it's so satisfying. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right, so one thing that's not as satisfying for the Bucks right now is, you know, there's turmoil all over the place. I remember the good old days when the biggest problem they had was Antonio Brown just running off the field in the middle of the game. That was, that was the least of their problems last year. Um, now, the latest story came from Mike Silver, where he essentially wrote, I'm paraphrasing here, but he essentially wrote that Tom Brady late in the week on Saturday goes through the game plan, changes things up, makes adjustments to the offensive system, and then, you know, lets his teammates know, but just kind of leaves the coaches in the dust, leaves them behind being like, you got to catch up, man. So the coaches don't really know what's going on until the game is happening. Um, We spoke to Byron Leftwich and Tom Brady today. Adam, you were there with me. Uh, (laughs) Byron, of course, was his typical Byron Leftwich, whether he says that he's a scoring guy and when and that, that was followed up by, but you're not scoring points or, um, you know, the typical getting better in ways that no one else can see. Analytics. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, he actually gave a shout out to analytics today. He's like, you can't, uh, semi shout out. Yeah. Back. He's like, you can't prove the analytics wrong. Like, if you score more <laughs> points, you're going to win the game. Those aren't analytics. <laughs> yeah. Let's, um, yeah. Let's play Byron Leftwich's. Uh, response to that here, and then we'll get both of your opinions. Adam, I'll start with you uh, since you were in the building, had a little more time to marinate on it. Uh, let's get to Byron Leftwich and his response to the uh, report by uh, Mike Silver. And can you take us through the process of game planning with, with Tom? You've done this for three years, but I think there was a story that indicated that you know that Tom is constantly making changes, meeting with players the night before, like somehow you guys are kind of following along versus knowing everything that's going on in real time. Like how much, how much is, is done before you get to the stadium? Or is there still tweaking going on that you're of game day? Game day. Yeah. Nah, I don't think that's probably what they meant. Uh, Tom been, we've been having this meeting. Quarterback's been having this meeting. Jameis been having this meeting. So yeah. it's no different. So it's no different than anybody. We encourage that as coaches. We encourage this for it to be players, y'all communicating all that. But other than that, I don't know how to really answer that because I don't really know what you asked me. Nothing different. We do the same game planning. Yeah. Me and Tom meet every day. Me and Tom meet every day about the plays, about what's going on. I know exactly what's going on in the meetings. Right. But I didn't see the story. Right, that right. I probably didn't describe it well, but it was kind of like changes being made right up until, you know what I mean, that maybe you're aware of, maybe you're not. But I know you're aware. I'm, a, I'm aware, aware of everything. everything that's yeah, going I'm on. aware of everything. There's nothing surprising to you on Sunday. No, no, yeah. Is he making changes, though, on, on Saturday nights when he is meeting with the team? No, we're, no. We're getting ready to go at that point. Bruce will talk. And I'm going to start with you. Are, are you buying what, what Byron Leftwich is saying here? Do you think that there is legit – Brady is like holding things back from from the coaches. What what was your reaction to what Byron said when uh when we were there and now rewatching it again? Kind of like reflecting on what Leftwich was saying. Now I don't really think that there's too much of a discrepancy between what Brady does and what Leftwich says, like communicating wise, because Leftwich mentioned that this is something that dates back years, going back to the Winston days. Yeah. Now yeah. what kind of struck me was when he said that screenplays are an extension of the run game and kind of coming into the season, the offense was supposed to be more run reliant, but they aren't really putting the ball in Brady's hands until it's a necessity. And they aren't really giving the ball to playmakers or kind of scheming up plays to get him open. Now he mentioned that he's a scoring guy and it's evident that that's not really been the case this year, but Leftwich's comments, it's kind of been more of the same this season. No, without question. JC, I'm curious to get your thoughts. You were laughing uh, once that video was done. Um, I'm curious to get your opinion on it. You know, I I wanted so bad to be there. I couldn't make it there in time. Uh, And, I, you know, the worst part was I I could have made it there in time because they were 20 minutes late. I'm like, by the time I got done doing what I I had to do, I was like, I'm not going to make it there by one. 
course, 20 minutes later, he's on the podium. I'm like, I would have made it there yeah. <laughs> uh, because I would have just went off on him because he makes no sense. First of all, what are you talking about? The You didn't even have the beginning of that. He wasn't even listening to Rick. He made Rick repeat the question from the beginning because he wasn't even paying attention. He goes, Rick, stop yeah, I had to start my video yeah, like two times because I'm like, all right, this is going to be like a four yeah. minute video. So I, tr yeah. I tried to cut it as much as I could with like first... getting the question and, you know, getting his response. It's not the first time he's done it either, too. He doesn't listen. In the beginning of a press conference, he's making people constantly repeat themselves. He's just not listening to Dolphin La La Land, which is where he is on Sundays. So it makes sense. Um, but no, the 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 whole the, I think that whole story was blown out of, out of proportion. First I of agree. all, um, Brady has always done this. Brady has always been sending. Mike Evans came out after the Super Bowl. Multiple players came out of the Super Bowl saying we're in a group chat and Brady's sending us stuff at midnight the night of the Super Bowl. You know, at ten o'clock at night, saying in this situation, this this cornerback likes to do this. You can take advantage of him like this, 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 and this. He's always done that, and I'm. And I'm sure he's still on the same game plan with bowls and and stuff like that. Adjustments don't need to really be shared with the offensive coordinator as it is. If you're telling Mike Evans that when you go to the top of the route, this cornerback's tendencies are to do this because Brady's a film junkie. He's watching film of every position on the field yeah. and learning their tendencies so he can best exploit them. And then he's going to relay those to a skill position players because why wouldn't you? So that part. But I don't think he's making changes. Brady, we've already talked about this. Scott has an article about this, talked about this. I rehashed it again in my article about this very situation after Bowles came out and said that he's aware of the changes that are making and they're all working together. That Brady's a, not a field general. He's not Peyton Manning. He's not out there Omahaing it up and calling different plays. The plays that come in through the microphone are the plays that are that are calling him. Now, does he have? Does he have? Um, is he in, inputting on the game plan? Absolutely, he is. He's not implanting in, in in the biggest thing that we've had all season. Matt is sequencing. He's not. He, yeah, sequencing is not what Brady's doing. He's putting in plays that he thinks going to work together with Byron. But Byron's the one that's calling the plays in the order they're playing. To get what Adam just said, the extension of the run game they're using screens, it's not an extension of the run game. And if it is, it's a poor extension of the run game because it's still only averaging two to three yards unless sometimes they get a, a bigger gain. Um, and dump-off passes are not screen passes. Screen passes are usually when the blockers are coming out, blocking in front of the wide receiver. Big difference between those dump-offs he's checking down to, to Rashad White and to the tight ends and stuff than an organized screen pass. That is not working, and we've almost seen picked off the last two times uh, that they've really attempted, or the last two games that they've attempted it. So I'm just such at a loss for words, and I don't – this is where the hope. I don't know where the hope is, Matt. Why do I? Feel yeah, exactly. that's what I'm saying. Why you get all positive about them? I then... don't know why. Because, <laughs> but I, it's like they have the playmakers. They have the, and again, it's not the offensive line. The offensive line has been an issue, but the the biggest reason the offensive line has been an issue is because of the sequencing again, and because of Byron's inability to be creative and say, okay, we don't have the players right now that can beat you one-on-one. -on -one. We have to do something to get these guys open, to get them in space, to get them separation quicker. We have to use Mike Evans in a way that he's not Scotty freaking Miller. He shouldn't be running deep routes every time. He should be running comebacks and put him back in the slot where he's been working out of the last couple of years and being effective. I just don't understand why he sees this offense in his hands and says, oh, this is the way we're going to mold it, and this is going to work. It's just driving me insane. But Brady and the talent can overcome. They just need to figure it out. I don't mm, – I don't, I don't understand. Matt, if you were to tell me right now that this team can't scare, score 22 points a game against some of the worst teams in the league, that they can't get the ball moving. And he talked about third downs. we got to be better on third downs. we got to be better on third downs. Well, don't course, get into them in the first place. Yeah. Not even yeah. – about getting into third down, change your play calling. Everyone knows you're running or you're doing a screen or something like that on first down. And that's putting you in down and distance on second and third, which again, the teams are stacking the box on first down. Their front four, if they're not sending a blitzer, isn't worried about maintaining the uh, uh, gap discipline and, and the edges and protecting the edges against the run game because they know you have to pass it in second and eight, second and nine. So they're going full bore after the quarterback, which is putting more pr pressure on Brady, which is getting him. He's got to get the ball out of his hands quicker, which is why he's throwing it underneath the sticks, which is why all these problems continue to happen. It's freaking insanity, Matt. I don't know what else to say. I don't know what else to do, but I do know this team has the talent to overcome it. They've got to start. It's got to happen some week. It's got to. Ha There's one week this season. This team has to be able to put up 30 points, 
And with the injuries on the opposite side of the ball, if he can't take, if they cannot, if they cannot take advantage of Eli Apple this game, then all is lost. All is lost. It's it's fitting. It's fitting that you said that. Uh, you know what we've been talking about that the, the screens are an extension of the run. Because the screen game is as bad as their running game. <laughs> like they average the same amount of yards. It's it's just as bad in that in that sense of the word. Uh, I'm also glad that you brought up the the Peyton Manning thing because I think that there's a common misconception that Brady, like Manning, is going to make all of these adjustments and call all of these plays on his own when it's not the case. Yes, he's calling the plays when. It's up tempo, two minute game on the line against the Saints, but he's not doing that on a drive by drive cases. It's just more, way more situational. Now you could argue, should he do that? Because they're better when Tom's calling the plays. I don't think there's really an argument there, but that kind of goes what that kind of goes into what we talked about a lot. He's not going to go wrong. And, and why the, exactly why there's allegations that Brady might go somewhere else because he likes a little bit more of that structure that he had with the Patriots where the Bucs have it a little bit more of, all right, Tom, here you go. Like have right. at it, but he doesn't necessarily yeah. want that. He Everyone's wants to, he wants to be a leader inside of the offense itself, structure. not right. calling yeah. everything in the offense. We're going to get to Brady's video but in a moment. Was doing that, we do have a super chat from Leo. Thank you so much, Leo, for the, $1.99 super chat. Uh, Leo says, Byron's speaking like someone that knows he's gone. I think that's kind of fair. I mean, Byron looked defeated last week. He kind of looks defeated uh, up there today. Um, he doesn't really answer much with a ton of like verbato or bravado, I guess I should say. Um, Adam, if you had to guess, would you say that Byron Leftwich is back next season? Or is there any way you can justify having Byron Leftwich back next season? I think that's probably yeah. more fair of a question. No, there, there is no way to justify this. There are so many bright, young offensive minds in the game of football, and it, it's evident that Byron Leftwich is not one of them. Uh, he seems to be more of a product of the Bruce Arian system. It's something that he's lived in, he's comfortable in, he's willing to ride or die by, and he's not riding it much longer, I would say. Now, get Frank Wright in here. Get Bill O'Brien in here. Uh, you know, if you can't, if Bulls doesn't, if for some reason they don't win the division and Bulls is gone, get Ben Johnson in here. The OC ben from Johnson the Lions. Awesome. He would be yeah. awesome. You, you got to get someone fresh in there. You got to get someone who's seen things. There's Ben somewhere who's going to be able to. Tom wants to be coached, and I don't think there's anything left for Byron to coach him on. You know, I think yeah, that's reason, a good point. I think the reason why Tom's well versed in this offense now. You know, he knows that, that first year was COVID year, so it was a lot of learning. They didn't have everything down. You heard him talk about going into his second year, being able to have that full, you know, camp, full everything, going in there and really dialing in, getting the offense down to the point where, remember, this team was still tweaking their playbook going into the bye week. You know, going into the second year, now in the third year, Tom knows what he's doing. Yes, he does. Very vanilla. This offense is very right. It's very predictable, and that's why teams are calling out. Hey, here comes the screen. Here comes you know this play. This is uh, the run up. This this is what's going on. It's it's very predictable, and it's a shame that we're 15 weeks into the season (laughs) and teams are still figuring things out. There's no wrinkles at all whatsoever. Yeah, JC. And and part of that too is because like part of the reason why there isn't any changes is because what Adam just said. This is he. Byron Leftwich doesn't know anything yeah. else. He doesn't yeah. know, and he hasn't been anywhere else. He hasn't been in any other systems where, that he can be like, oh, this worked in this area. This worked in this place. Oh, let me put this wrinkle in. He doesn't know anything else. So the only thing that he can do is continue to call the plays that are based in that playbook that he thinks are the best plays to utilize in the time. There's no change, and there's no, and that's why that's the biggest thing why as Scott's been saying all year he's been exposed as a play caller because when push comes to shove, when teams know what you're doing. He doesn't have the ability to be creative and adjust and put different things in the playbook that's going to help them. You can still, you don't need to change the entire playbook week 15, but you can consistently add things in. The the great teams add things in their playbook as the season continues to go on. We have not seen anything, new wrinkles really, in this playbook. It's the same damn plays over and over again, and teams know it's coming, and that's the biggest problem. Brady is not going to be the one that's in there calling calling the place he's a good soldier he's not going to say you know what 
F Byron. We're doing this on this play. I don't like this play. Now, if he gets to the line and he calls an audible, that's a different thing. He will do that, but he's not going to go and overrule Byron's play calling. He wants to be coached. He wants to be told what to do and go out there and execute with his teammates. And the play calls that are coming in and the sequencing they're coming in are not allowing him to do that. And players, that's not to take that off them. They got to step up. Brady's underthrown, overthrown, wrong routes have been ran, dropsies, pass protection, run blocking, etc. All of that's still on the table for players, but it all comes back into the one big circle that is play calling that's limited this team. Yeah, the players definitely need to execute more. There's, you know, there's such a there's such a small margin for error with this team. Uh, and, you know, sometimes the Bucs do have to win their one-on-one battles. I think they can do a better job of that. And, you know, there were times that they did against the 49ers, and Tom didn't necessarily hit them. You can't really blame Byron Leftwich for that. Byron deserves a ton of blame. So I'm not – I'm clearly not backing Byron Leftwich by any means. But, you know, it is predicated a lot on winning your battles. And there's not too many adjustments. Like, the most creative they got this season was – they did a sweep to Julio Jones, which I actually like. They did an end yes. around early in the season when Julio was on was on one leg. I didn't like that. But then later when he got healthy, they did a sweep, and that worked. And then they just went too extreme in the other direction, and that was the Germany game when oh, Tom Brady went out for yeah. a pass, which, again, and this goes back to the screenplay. Like Part of running a screen is because there's the element of surprise. And throwing, and so separately, Having your running back throw a pass to Tom Brady is definitely surprising. But when you run that same formation five, ten plays earlier, it takes away the element of surprise. So they finally tried to get creative, but they showed the play before it even went on. So was Brady actually took off running the first time he was just like lightly jogging. Yeah, exactly. So that kind of gave it away too. We're gonna get to Tom Brady's press conference uh, answer to the question that many, many people are talking about. Um, But before that, let's talk about underdog fantasy and the money that you can win with their Pick'em and Rivals game. It's the easiest way to get some action in on the NFL. You can also do it for hockey, basketball, the World Cup as well. Uh, Baseball's not in season right now, but you can do it for baseball too and golf. Uh, You just pick an over or an under on your favorite or least favorite player stats, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. You pick between two and five players to fill out your pick'em slip or your rival slip. Get every pick right. Take home some cold, hard cash. Use the promo code Pewter and get your first deposit doubled up to $100 by Underdog Fantasy. Even if you learn from Plant City Math, you know that that is a heck of a deal and you don't want to squander it. Once again, Underdog Fantasy, promo code Pewter. Get your first deposit doubled. You actually have a pretty good game tonight with the Seahawks and the 49ers. I keep hitting the double screen because I'm so used to having two, but we do have three. So I'm going to work on that. You know, we all need to be better. But unlike Byron Leftwich, I can identify where we need to improve and where I can get better at. Byron Leftwich refuses to um, to answer that. But yeah, Seahawks 49ers, very fun game tonight. Uh, Bucks fans might not want to watch <laughs> because the 49ers might... Uh, Still give them some uh, house of horrors. Hey, root for the Forty Niners to go. You know, if if the Bucks aren't going to make it, I'm rooting for the Forty Niners to go. Brock Purdy's a heck of a story. So I mean, yeah, 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 why not the Brocket ship? The Brocket ship. Yeah. All right, let's get to Tom Brady talking about uh, the the big question at hand that everyone's talking about. So, in other words, by the time you get there, the coaches know what you're doing. You're not moving guys. I mean, just how much of that is is done? Game planning. What's the question? Well, the question is how much how much do you do that like he wrote that that maybe the coaches are trying to follow along almost that like in real time they learn what changes you made the night before when they get to the stadium. Is that true? No, I have no idea. So I mean, anybody could write anything and say whatever I they want. That's so what I'm asking you about. Yeah, yeah. I want to make sure that that didn't sound right. So yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna respond to every. Next question. Time for the balance. Uh, four, four. Next question. Next question. That was, um, you know, some of the Brady press conferences are the same. Adam usually is there on Wednesday, and um, he's busy with school and work on Thursday. So because school's done with, Adam was able to go to a Tom Brady press conference during the regular season. And what you'll learn quick, Adam, is that uh, Tom Brady 
typically likes to answer the question without answering it and saying, like, for example, if you got to answer a question about Chris Godwin, he'll be like, whatever the question is phrased or however it's phrased. What do you think of Chris Godwin this season? (laughs) Chris Godwin is great. He's working really hard. He's coming back from a serious injury. We need him to play well. We also need Mike Evans to play well. I think Mike Evans is great when he's in the red zone. You know, we connect on a lot of uh, touchdowns. We have a lot of guys, Scotty. Uh, You know, Uh, Julio Jones. You know, Julio Jones has come in here. Russell Gage has come in here. And we're just building chemistry every single day. So he, he filibusters a lot and a lot. But this one, Tom couldn't really get his way out of. And... As far as Tom being here in Tampa, I haven't seen him get as mad as he really was with, and there's nothing wrong with the question or anything like that, but I haven't seen Tom get as like irritated or unwilling to answer a question like the one he was asked today by Rick Stroud. I mean, I guess maybe the Miami, the Miami situation, but yeah, definitely not a, not, not at at a Thursday uh, press conference. So um, yeah, that's just not something you see too much from Tom in his Tampa days, I guess I should say. I will say, all, all kudos and respect to Rick. I think both of those questions were worded poorly the way he asked them. You know, the the, the way I would have worded it was there was a report that came out that you're making game, game plan tweaks with your wide receivers and skill position players the night before and not telling the coach, and the coaches are unaware of it. Is that something that is going on? That's quick, much shorter, indirect, yeah. direct to the point. I think that he kind of, he danced around the question to, to be careful about it. But, you know, I mean, I don't care. I'm just going to go for it. <laughs> um, and I think that would have elicited a different response because both of them were kind of like, I don't know what you're asking. What are you trying to say? Yeah, um, I, I think because like, we put it on our Instagram and people were like, what? Like, I didn't get the question. I think I think the question of Byron was and I'm like, I like Rick. I, I have nothing yeah, against. Like, I'm, I'm not trying yeah. to criticize him or anything. Even Rick said after, he's like, oh, I probably should have worded that better. So um, I, I thought, like, the question was fine in itself. I thought the Brady one was a little more direct. But Brady does that from time to time. If you give, like, a more long-winded thing, he'll just be like, so what's your question? Yeah. Um, he does He does that from time to time. So I'm not exactly shocked by Tom answering that way. I think the first part of it, when he asked what's your question, was pretty, like, straightforward so the the byron one maybe a little bit i didn't see it as much when when he asked tom that question um but adam i'll ask you again i mean we got byron's we got byron's take on it um i guess i'll kind of ask you a similar question like do you believe brady in in that nothing's happening um i mean there's brady's side there's mike silver side and then there's somewhere in the middle I do think there's minor adjustments, but I don't think it's I, I feel like people are interpreting interpreting it as like, aha, like Byron will never figure this out. And like <laughs> and therefore, you know, he's going to yeah. yeah, he's going to pull one over on Byron. And I just I don't necessarily think that's the case. No, and I, I really don't think that's the dynamic of the relationship. I don't kind of similar to the report of Bruce Arians and uh, like the red pen and yeah. kind of that whole situation. I really don't see (laughs) I I would trust more of what Brady says than what Mike Silver says. Uh, But there's, it's definite that changes need to be made on the offense and that they need to get the ball rolling sooner rather than later. I think the thing right here is where Mike Silver was trying to, I think it was more of a, let me put this headline out or let me put this tidbit out here without, and, and it's more of the same thing we already talked about that Brady consistently is texting his wide receivers hey on saturday night hey on the top of your route this guy does this he'll sit like this he'll cover you like this change that i don't i think that's probably where he's coming from because i don't know i don't know if brady would go to bowls and be like hey just to let you know i told mike evans if he sees his coverage do this you know if he sees that coverage do this you know whatever better i think that's probably what was trans trans translated to silver and he took it in a different way that oh brady's making changes and he's not telling the coaches you know and so i think that's probably mike silver's truth to it we heard bowl say everyone's involved you know and it's not just brady having meetings with his skill position players the defense is doing it with their groups the i know the line the linemen are doing it with their groups hey what okay we watch the film what what do we feel comfortable what running plays do we feel comfortable this week and they go to the coaching staff and they go to brady with it and say hey we feel really comfortable if you call this running play we're going to be able to open up the hole and get some yards 
talking to some of the guys on the offensive line, it's, you know, or at least a few weeks back, it's, they're going to them and they're not having those plays called until later in the game. So there's some frustration there. I think there's frustration throughout the entire building right now with yeah. players, with coaches, with, with, um, you know, upper management. I think there's just a lot of frustration brewing. I think this team is still, I don't think it's tearing them apart. I don't think there's like a disconnect in the locker room, but there's frustration. Obviously you're losing, you're putting in advice and things that you think are going to work that aren't being utilized or aren't being called until later game scenarios. There's plays that you feel really good about, but they're still not continuously being called. There's sequencing issues. So, you know, I think that's probably where Silver got that from, you know, the whole, uh, you know, him telling his wide receivers and skill positions, this is what you should do. Um, but I mean, when Bowles with Byron and Brady, if there's disconnect between those three, do you really think they all sat together? Oh, Mike Silver came out with this article, guys. Let's make sure all of our stories match. Let's make sure when we go to the, right. the podium on Wednesday and Thursday that we all have well, simple answers. You know, I don't well, think Bruce Arians did call out Mike Florio when uh <laughs> during his like retirement ceremony. That was great. That was great. That, well, was, that, was, it, but... that was so funny, uh, for sure. I don't yeah, think just to, just to put a bow on everything, Mike Silver did go on the Ronnie and T Crash show. I he was like just coming on, like as I was parking and going to my apartment. So um he will probably have a rebuttal to that. So check that out after you're done watching the Peter Report podcast. Let's uh transition a little bit. We've talked a lot about Brady and and that saga. Let's stick with the locker room, though. Uh, we obviously had open locker room after Adam. Um, I would say the two biggest you know, pieces of note that we got from there is talking to Tristan Wirfs a little bit. Uh, Tristan did practice today. He was in helmet and uniform, if I'm not mistaken. He said he felt pretty good while he's out there, but, um, you know, it's not 100% that he's going to play this game. I know Todd Bowles all but ruled it out, uh, but, you know, the, again, there's one side, there's the other side, and then there's what happens on Sunday. Uh, we talked to Mike Edwards as well. Always a, a, a fun guy to talk to. And um, this is a game, you know, he talked about that, how he wants to get back. And obviously the defensive backs, the whole room's injured, except for like the one guy that did just return from injury, which is Logan Ryan and Keanu Neal playing as well. Uh, I think it's vital though. Obviously you would love for it to be Antoine Winfield Jr., but they either need Winfield, they need Mike Edwards, Dare I say they might even need Sean Murphy bunting because it's like guaranteed that Jamel Dean isn't going to play. You know, he was he was in a walking boot this week. But Mike Edwards had a very funny little comment because he's from he's from the Cincinnati area. He's a big Cincinnati Reds fan. I grew up a Broncos fan, so there's not any allegiance to the Bengals. But, you know, I asked him, I was like, so, you know, your friends and family, are they rooting for you? Are they rooting for the Bengals? And he said his family's rooting for him. His friends are like diehard Bengals fans. And he asked them like, well, what if I, what if I get a pick six on Joe Burrow to win the game? Like, would you guys be happy for me? Would you be pissed off? And he thinks they're lying. They said that they'd be happy for him, but he thinks they'd be a little more upset about what happened. But uh, Adam, I, I don't think there's any way we can sugarcoat this. They need at least one of those defensive backs to return this week. Hopefully Antoine Winfield Jr. I know you talked to Mike a little bit about how Antoine was looking out there, um, but it's going to be an uphill battle stopping Joe Burrow to begin with. It's going to be even tougher if you don't have, you know, your two starting safeties there. Definitely. And to your point, they already, it's pretty likely that they won't have Dean. So you're talking boundary corners. If Sean Murphy Bunting's not going, you have Zion McCollum and Dee Delaney. Probably not the most encouraging group of guys going up against Joe Burrow. But Antoine Winfield looked pretty good in practice today. He was doing sprints on the field. It looked like his ankle wasn't bothering him. Kind of what Mike Edwards said. It's more of like a pain tolerance issue at this point. But they need more help, especially getting Edwards or Winfield back puts less of a tax on Logan Ryan. Logan Ryan, yeah. he was the leading tackler against the 49ers, which isn't Played every much. snap since he returned. Yeah, and... That's quite the task coming back from an injury that kept him out for quite a few weeks. And also going up against just the big playmakers against the 49ers. He was often on the second level trying to chase down McCaffrey or chase down Ayuk yeah. or whoever. It was not the best showing on Sunday. But JC, that's... let me ask you, who do the Bucks need more 
on defense because obviously they're dealing with a ton of injuries. But is it Antoine Winfield Jr. or is it Vita Bea? Because it looks like Vita Bea is not going to play. It's Antoine Winfield Jr. It's Antoine Winfield Jr. Hands down. Just because Vita Bea is obviously a monster at stopping, you know, stopping the run. He can give that interior pressure. He takes two blockers, allows Akeem Hicks to do some different things, allows Nacho to do some things. But I've been encouraged. Nacho filled in while while Akeem Hicks was out. I think Nacho can do a fine job filling in for Vita Bea. Having... Having Antoine Winfield Jr. back helps in so many ways. He's arguably the best team's best run defender, especially in the secondary, hands down. Um, things he can do getting after the quarterback. He can make t- plays in the in the back end turnovers. The versatility he has to play all three safety spots, well, two safety spots and nickel cornerback. I think he's the biggest piece. And you know, getting you got to have you got to have at least two of those three guys back, Mike Edwards, SMB, and Antoine Winfield Jr. Right now, you look at the situation here with the Cincinnati Bengals, they're unsure if they're going to have T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. They're probably not going to have Hayden Hurst. So if the Bucks get lucky, if they get lucky and Hayden Hurst, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd can't play, you're looking at guys for the Cincinnati Bengals like Trenton Irwin, Trent Taylor, Stanley Morgan, and not the Pat Stanley Morgan, like, his son like 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 oh. there's yeah right there's nobody there that can really impact the game other than joe mixon samaje pirine and and jamar chase and now jamar chase is jamar chase but he'll probably get carlton davis on him and we've seen carlton davis shut down the best wide receivers in the league so i, I you got to feel comfortable about that matchup to an extent um and plus he's still not 100 percent too as he works his way back from an injury um, that that he suffered and just came back last week, I believe. So uh, I think Antoine Winfield Jr. allows the defense to be a little more creative. When you have all three of those safeties, and we saw at the beginning of the year before Logan Ryan went down, it allows the defense to do so many more different creative things. And I think having him back is the most important piece of this secondary. He was playing at an all-pro level when he left. He was playing in an all-pro level when he came back, and I'm sure he'll continue that all-pro level when he comes back for a second time this year. Um, so you've got to have AWJ back there if this Bucks team is going to really have a stand a chance to, um, you know, slow down this this Bengals offense and be able to keep pace with them on the Bucks offense. Yeah, the biggest thing Antoine Winfield Jr. answers is that they don't have to worry about the slot corner position anymore because that's really where it hurts not having Jamel Dean is that you have to choose between Zion McCollum and Dee Delaney. Both are going to play. It's just whether you decide who's going to play on the outside and who's going to play that slot corner. So you get Antoine Winfield Jr. back. It's an immediate upgrade no matter where he plays, if it's safety or nickel, but he would mostly play nickel in that situation you know i'm not even i'm not even ruling out the fact that like tyler boyd and higgins like might not play you know they were both limited in practice again today we'll get to the injury report um in a little bit but even if you get one out of the two or even if you just have to deal with jamar chase like that's still a really tough opposition for the bucks to go against and adam i know you were talking about too that because we're talking about burrow and all these great wide receivers we're kind of like almost forgetting the talent that Joe Mixon brings to this team and how the Bengals can really hurt the Bucs on the ground too. Right. Yeah. I mean, you saw it last week against the 49ers. Every time McCaffrey had a run play, like he was going to the left side uh, with Trent Williams, he was getting 10 yards of carry easily. And that really opened up the offense for the 49ers. Now you talk about Joe Mixon, November 6th against the Panthers. He had 153 rushing yards, four touchdowns. He had over 50 yards receiving another touchdown. This is a guy that can take over a game when given a great opportunity. And if Vita Bay is not going, that's a great opportunity because the Bucks' run defense just hasn't been elite this year. It, no. Without without Vita Vea, you're relying on Akeem Hickson. Who else? Logan Ryan or Logan Ryan? Logan, Logan Hall. <laughs> Nacho. Like these are rotational guys, not guys yeah. that are starting constantly. So it could be a big mismatch if uh, Vita Vea isn't going. Mixon could really take over. Mark Fisher here says, uh, is playing Winfield wasting his strength? He's an amazing safety. Uh, I Mark, do you mean playing him at the at the at the slot? I I think the one thing that Antoine Winfield brings more than anything else is his versatility. And Todd Bowles knows how to use safety. You can critique him all you want for his timeout management, um, his decisions in game, um, why the team has struggled this year, but he knows how to use a safety. And uh, Antoine Winfield Jr. was well on his way to an all-pro season up until 
the concussion and, you know, now the new ankle injury. So, you know, he's great. I, I've said this before. I almost like him on the line of scrimmage more than I do yeah. when he's playing yeah. on the back end. So I don't think it's wasting his strength at all whatsoever, but do appreciate the question. Matt, I think it's playing have... to his strength because he also has three and a half sacks, not to interrupt you. Exactly. No, oh, exactly. Yeah, no, he's good. Yeah. And this kind of leads into my question. If you have to yeah. pick with the safeties, how good bowls with the safeties is, uh, but with Dean out, if you have to pick two of those three defenders coming back this week, who are you? Obviously, Antoine Winfield Jr. is probably one, right? But yes. are, would you rather have Mike Edwards back or would you rather have SMB back? Oh, man. That's a tough one because if it was Mike exposed, if it was if it was Mike Edwards and Jamel Dean, I'd be like, all right, well, Jamel Dean that covers that covers the cornerback position. Uh, I it really comes down to how much do I trust D Delaney as an outside corner because I'm not putting Zion McCollum there, and D has played both. He's been cross trained to play nickel and and the outside. John O'Neill's had some struggles though recently. He's made yeah, he's more of a box player. I think I'm gonna say, I think I'm gonna say Sean Murphy Bunting. As crazy as that sounds, I just you know listen. He's he's not the SMB that he was in the 2020 playoffs when he was getting interceptions all the time. But I don't think you can trot Zion McCollum out there. Teams pick on him. He misses tackles like terribly. Sean Murphy Bunting has an interception against. Patrick Mahomes this season. And I know he got beat a little bit in the Seahawks game. And a lot of times he just got beat by like a second. And then they, they hit the wide receiver in the end zone. I just think with Logan Ryan there with Antoine Winfield jr. Listen, we talk about how Levante David in the past would clean up a lot of the mistakes on Devin white. I'm not trying to take a ricochet shot at Devin white right now, but Antoine Winfield jr. Can clean up a lot of things on the defense with what he can do at safety. So if you have Anson Winfield Jr., Logan Ryan, and Keanu Neal, I feel comfortable enough with that if they don't have Mike Edwards, where if you just have Carlton, but then you're down to Dee Delaney and Zion McCollum, you almost need Sean Murphy bunting in that situation. So that's why I'm taking Sean Murphy bunting, but I don't feel great about it. Good question, though. I feel the same way. I think a big variable is if T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd go as well. No, that's definitely true. Let's say, like, if let's only they don't go. Let's say both of them aren't going. Are you still picking SMB? Or no, it- then I'm picking. I'd go Mike, Mike Edwards. Okay. Yeah, then let's I'm definitely picking. Let's, let's, same thing. One of them go. Let's say T Higgins. He's been more impactful than Tyler Boyd. T Higgins is going. Tyler Boyd is not. SMB in that case because he's their leading receiver this year. Right. Yeah, that's a that's a fair point. Good answer there, uh, Adam. Let's get into the injury report in just a moment. However, before we do that, let's talk about our friends over at uh, Pin Chasers. They have multiple locations that you see on the screen, East Pasco, Zephyr Hills, Midtown, and Veterans. They have one pretty close to the Advent Health Training Center where the Bucks have their practice facility. Um, the food is extremely underrated from the chicken tendies to the pizza to the nachos. And they have deals all the time. Not to mention that they have brunch on the weekends, but they have deals such as all you can eat pizza, all you can bowl, and dollar beers. So you can't go wrong with all the deals they have there. Um, if you want to book your kid's birthday party, they have a lot of bowling lanes. And they have the arcade area as well. So the kids can play video games, do some bowling. It's a very fun night out with friends and family. So go to pinchasers.net. Check out what deal they have in store for you. You can book a company party there as well. Um, I would say a holiday party, but we're on the 15th. So, you know, the holidays are, are coming up. Um, but you don't have to do it just for the holidays. If you want to have a, a networking event, a fun company event, um, or anything of that nature, again, uh, check out Pin Chasers. They have uh, awesome opportunities over there. A fun night out with friends and family and great deals in store. That is Pin Chasers. And go to pinchasers.net to see what deal works best for you. I did it again. I hit the double screen. That's I'm, I'm not going to be able to fix that. I, I'm not, not going to be able to adjust like uh, – Bucks offense. I'll work on it though. We got another graphic or two uh, to get to. So let's talk about that injury report that just came out recently. This is Thursday's injury report for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Cincinnati Bengals. Jannard Avery was downgraded. He did not participate. He was limited yesterday. Did not participate today. Jamel Dean once again with the toe did not participate. 
Gerard Avery has an afternoon in oblique, by the way. Uh, Mike Edwards hamstring. He upgraded to full participation. That's a very good sign. Julio Jones knee once again did not participate. Sean Murphy bunting fully participated again as he deals with that quad injury. Carl Nassib once again did not participate with a pec injury. Joe Trianchenka hip was limited. Vita Bea calf did not practice. Antoine Winfield Jr. ankle limited. We had that video of him uh, running sprints. Tristan Wirf's ankle limited in participation. So very nice upgrade right there. Now for the Bengals, Tyler Boyd, finger, he was limited. Joe Burrow, right elbow, uh, fully participated. Lael Collins, he practiced in full. He had a rest day yesterday. Cornerback Jalen Davis did not participate with a thumb injury. Trey Hendrickson, we talked about his broken wrist. He did not participate. T. Higgins, wide receiver, has a hamstring injury. He was limited. Safety Dax Hill, hamstring. He fully participated, so he upgraded there. Quarterback Mike Hilton, knee injury, did not participate. Tight end Hayden Hurst, calf, did not participate. Defensive end Joseph Afsai, fully participated with the shoulder injury. Defensive tackle DJ Reader had a rest day yesterday, so he fully participated today. And then finally, Trent Taylor, a wide receiver with the hamstring injury. He was limited in practice once again. So really outside of, I would say, Hendrickson with the broken wrist. Um, like Hilton. Hilton. Yeah, Hilton with the knee and Hurst with the cast uh, with the calf. Jalen Davis can't really rule out too many guys on the Bengals. So to just assume that the receivers aren't playing, I think would be a uh, big mistake by the Bucks defense. I, I tell you what, outside linebacker is starting to become a come a concern right now. Joe Tryon Shrink is dealing with that hip injury. Carl Nassab has, hasn't practiced all week with that peck. Now Jannard Avery is dealing with an abdomen oblique, and he didn't part, uh, participate in practice today. That's got to be somewhere where – the bodies, yeah. just, the bodies just aren't there. Now they did sign sign um, uh, Hamil Hamilcar Rashid uh, to the practice squad. That mm. you know, I don't know how quickly they can get him up to speed with a game plan to get him to play if they need to. But right now, the only healthy body at that position is is Anthony Nelson. Um, with everybody else kind of reeling with injuries, and, and uh, I saw something today. I don't. It's not a very trusted source, but with the way that Julio Jones is is trending. It looks like he might not even be able to go on Sunday. So now you're down a playmaker on offense. Like it's going to, this is not the, not the best week for injuries to pile up specifically at, at any one position. And now it's hitting the outside linebacker room pretty hard. It seems like, so we'll have to continue to monitor that. It's really just hit the defense hard. Like over half the defensive yeah. starters from the beginning right. of the year are injured at some capacity. And without even having Shaq Barrett there, it, the outside linebacker position is so thin right now that we're signing guys off the street and trying to acclimate them to the playbook really quickly. It's like the impact of not having JPP is huge. Like that could be, that could have been a guy that they could have signed. Right. But I feel like JPP, I get what you're saying, but JPP always got injured too. So like, I just feel like he would fall into that that category. Right, Matt. Ah, yeah. He was one of the guys It's funny. I was showing Adam, um, our Bucks battle plans. If for uh, hardcore Peter Report fans, we do our Bucks battle plan every off season in ar- around March, like before. Oh, we did it in Jan- January. How were we doing in January? The Bucks I mean, were still playing. No, it wasn't January. It was early. It was I don't remember. It was early though. It was way earlier before the combine. <laughs> Should we look it up? Yeah, I was, no, I don't think it was. Before, no, it definitely wasn't before the. It was before, well, maybe the combine. Well, the combine had like March. the drafts. It was like too. February. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah. Because I'll, I'll, anyway, you know, I'll the, the, point, the point I was trying to make was that, uh, Justin Houston was like a You're fan not. favorite of a lot of these, uh, of the Bucks to sign a player like him. Veteran edge rusher would have been perfect. Carl Nassib was another guy that we talked about a lot. So, um, and Larry Foote today, I asked him what he thought about, you know, Anthony oh, Nelson no. and, and Carl Nassib, and he said, he needs to get more from Anthony Nelson. And he felt like he felt personally responsible about it because um, he was like one of the guys that he first coached when Anthony Nelson got into the league. So Larry Foote wants to see more from Anthony Nelson. And let's see, all of our it was, it was Fox March. battle plans were in March. So huh, I was right. 
I was wrong, all right? But you know what? I wasn't wrong on the Bucks battle plan. Logan Hall with the second pick. I was not wrong about uh, yeah. I was not wrong about Kada and or Rashad White. So I will take Nicely those done. to the bank. <laughs> no, that's good. That's uh Yeah, that's yeah, great. Yeah. I mean, that's very tough to to nail. I mean, only only Scott Reynolds. Scott Reynolds is like an absolute guru when it comes to like the Bucks battle plans and Bucks best bets. Yeah, but so. he's- you almost, you almost, you can almost hedge against him because he gets some inside information. He gets a little whispers in his ear about, oh yeah, we do like this guy. You know, I. So he gets he knocked does. for being great at what he does. He doesn't I'm get confused. knocked. He doesn't get knocked. I'm just saying. I'm, <laughs> what I'm do you over here. <laughs> he doesn't get knocked. He just has a little bit more insight than I would say me or you do when it comes to who the Bucks are looking at with his That's that. No, that's that's definitely true, but. but- I think you should get but credit for that. It's yeah, it's all for the good of Peter Report, so it doesn't really matter. We do yeah, have a couple exactly. of that we missed. Uh, I want to, yeah, as we wrap up the show, someone asked us, um, who is the starting quarterback in 2023? I'm interested. Ooh, to hear good question. Yeah, they, so they, I have here's here's what I would do. I I don't think Tom Brady comes back, so my answer would be Tom Brady. I just I don't think I don't think that's the case. If I'm the Bucks, I think you look at the you look at the free agency game. You see who might be available because that was a big thing last season. That was before you know the big Russell signing and and which obviously looks terrible for the Broncos now. And before like Aaron Rodgers resigned, but you spin the tires on who's available. But honestly, what I would do, and Bucks fans, you got to cope with this first season. I would make. Kyle Trask, the starter, because right now he's the only quarterback on uh, on the roster for next season, as Adam pointed out uh, when we were chatting about this yesterday uh, and today. I would make Kyle Trask the starter. You find out whether he's the answer or not. He probably isn't. So essentially, you tank this season, and then you get a good draft pick for 2024. So I think the answer is Kyle Trask, but it's only for one season. That's what That's what I would do. Adam, go ahead. I'll finish up. Okay. Um, so I would say that Tom Brady has about a 50-50 chance of coming back next year. If I was to hedge one way or the other, I'd probably say he wouldn't come back. And to Matt's point, I would like to see Kyle Trask get more reps and maybe be the starter. But if the Bucks are looking to contend uh, with the window that they have, especially on the defensive side of the ball, having a lot of playmakers, you really just need a guy that can control the game. Pairing a guy like Geno Smith, you know, Matt's very familiar with him, and Todd Bowles, they have a history together. That could be interesting if the Seahawks lean to a young quarterback. Or if they're looking for another kind of like system guy, maybe Jacoby Brissett could be another option. Kind of somebody that would be a bridge to maybe Kyle Trask in 2024 or another top draft pick. Yeah, imagine they bring in Geno Smith uh, and then say That'd be wild. Geno Smith and Sam Darnold battle it out. Battle yeah. Just Hey, Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold's playing himself into. I'm not going to say a starter, but a contract, like a contract for next season to be right. a backup somewhere. I, I see uh spunky boy here says Jimmy G is their best chance. He obviously just had a very significant injury, but I don't want any part of Jimmy G. I don't either. No. I don't. Yeah. The, the fact that that Purdy had two passes of 20 yards, two touchdown passes right. on the field in one game is more than what, what Jimmy G did in three years. It also depends on who the offensive coordinator is. Right. So I think that's a big part. I think it would be funny to have both cast offs of, of bulls offense yeah. quarterback in here, but I'm not going that way. You named one of them already, Adam, I think. Um, and this is for potential OC hire. If they bring in Frank Reich, I think that Jacoby Brissett would be a good choice to to bring in here as that bridge gap. Or even if you want to start Kyle Trask, you know that you have him back. The thing is, I don't necessarily think the Bucs are in it to tank next year at all because of the contracts they doled out this season are all three-year deals. They're paying high money to guys like Carlton Davis, Chris Godwin, Russell Gage, Ryan Jensen, Leonard Fournette. All these guys were signed to three-year deals because they feel like that's the window that they have to compete yeah. in. I think Brady's still an option. If not, if they don't go a Jacoby Brissett route, who I think can lead you to some wins, you know, with a better cast of weapons around him. Um, I, I, I mentioned Bucks battle plan coming back around. I mentioned him the Bucks battle plan. He's playing pretty well right now for the Washington Commanders. I still like Tyler uh, Taylor Heineke as a potential yeah. 
bridge guy That'd as be well. really exciting I, I think he's a guy who can make plays on with his legs he can make plays um through the air he's got good weapons around him i think you'll have the offensive line will be in much better shape next year so i like both of those guys um as as potential bridge uh you know cornerbacks but i think again it's going to if brady comes back as leo says another super chat thank you leo thank you leo uh, 199 i think brady stays if brady stays he'll choose offensive coordinator now i think that is i think that will be part of it i think brady's going to want to play for someone who he can who can get the most out of him who can coach him because we know that's the type of offensive coordinator brady likes to play under Bill O'Brien's a name. Frank Reich's another name. I think yeah. there's other guys out there that could, that they could bring in and and help coach Brady and give him a different coaching because I think he's exhausted everything he needs to learn out of this Arians offense and out of this Arians coaching staff and coaching tree. I think that you know it's going to depend on who they bring in as an offensive coordinator for him if he wants to come back. I don't hate the idea, as Brandon Burkhardt here says, uh, Derek Carr. I don't hate the idea of Derek Carr, but his contract is like so huge. I don't think. They're they cutting could, everybody uh, well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if they release him and he's not and it's not on the Bucks time and Brady goes to the Raiders, then they can't, you know they can't afford him. Yeah, yeah. Anybody. yeah, I I don't I, I wouldn't hate that, but it would as Bruce Aarons likes to say, it has to make dollars and cents, and you know, Todd Bowles would have to sign off on it. But um, you know, it's better than starting like Kyle Trask, who hasn't, you know, who hasn't started a game yet. That would definitely be a huge risk, but sometimes you got to take a risk. Like when you're gambling, that's how you win big. Like you could at the Seminole Hard Rock Casino in Tampa. Just the way you like it. Me and my wife decided we'll have some fun. I was playing a two cent machine. Six bets in, I hit a jackpot. $117,000. Hi, my name is Tara and I want over $500,000 playing slot. I do this full time and I would not change it for the world. I'm Gloria. I won over $2 million at Seminole Hard Rock Casino. I went and bought a bunch of jewelry. <laughs> my name is Mike. I won over $350,000. I love playing back rock because it hits different. When you pull in that car and you flip over that nine, beating that eight, can't miss. I'm Jimmy. I won a half million dollars in a slot tournament at Seminole Hard Rock in Tampa. Even a blind squirrel can get a nut sometimes. <laughs> my name is Philip, and I won two hundred and fifteen thousand on Blazing Sevens. Put my last four dollars on the table. Next thing you know, bam, two hundred and fifteen thousand jackpot. I hit that bad boy. I didn't realize how much it would change my life. You only live once. Have fun with it, right? Anybody can win. It's Seminole Hard Rock in Tampa. Before we wrap this show up, want to remind everybody that uh, we will, of course, have our live stream on Sunday, starting with the pregame show, the Celsius Pewter Report tailgate show. It'll be live from the walk-ons in Midtown and presented by Age Rejuvenation. We will be previewing everything for the Bucks game home game against the Bengals. That starts at 2.30. And then after... It is the Peter Game Day show. That's myself and a guest. Adam has been on before. Um, that's where we give our live reactions, analysis, insight to everything that's happening in the game. We have a good time no matter what. Um, obviously, they got, the Bucks got blown out last week, but we still had fun with it. And obviously, there's been some dramatic finishes and endings to uh, those games as well. So uh, tune in for the Peter Tailgate show. Start watching that at 2.30 and then stay for the Peter Game Day show at 4.25. Um, always a good time when I, we get that rocking and rolling. Yes, I JC. Some, I see some Baker in the chat. How would you guys feel about Baker? Ooh. No, no, thanks. I'm good. Uh, I think we're buying a little too much into one fantastic game. Well, not even fantastic game, just fantastic finish. I know it's cool. He's only there for what, two days, and then beat the Raiders. But the Raiders, they also lost to Jeff Saturday in his coaching debut with the Colts. So, um, I don't know. I think, I don't know. I don't think, I don't think Baker's, I don't think Baker's the guy. I'm, I'd, I'd rather go in another direction. I will say my sources, very few that I have within the organization, I did hear that they did like, they were, if Brady didn't come back, they would have been, interested in baker if he became available before he became available so i that's what that scares me i don't want baker anything to do with baker either but yeah. I, I i could see it potential uh, if they do want to go that route i could see him possibly being a guy adam your thoughts no i think baker gets a lot more slander than uh perhaps he should Ooh. i mean he's displayed that he can be like a 
like a lower tier starting quarterback in the NFL. He had a good season a couple of years ago. Made the playoffs. He yeah, he brought the Browns to the playoffs, which previously unimaginable. <laughs> yeah, you know? and and last year he battled an injury and learning a new system in Carolina. Obviously, it wasn't a fit. They've been rotating quarterbacks for years now. Um, probably not the the best option though. Yeah, I I don't Bring think back so. Back <laughs> I honestly James. I don't. I like that option way more than Baker Mayfield. Like without question. James played through a broken vertebrae. All right. You know, maybe that led to all the interception. I don't think, I don't think James has totally changed his game too much, but at least, least, yeah, Yeah, that's true. At least they would push the ball down the field, but we could talk about that at another time. Tom Brady is still the quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers right now as uh, they try to stay atop of the NFC South division. We'll see what goes on during Sunday's game when the Bucs are home against the Cincinnati Bengals. So, Uh, Until next show, for Adam, for JC, I'm Matt saying thanks, everybody, for watching. We will see you on Sunday for another edition of the Peter Report podcast. Out. Have a great weekend. Out. Out.